If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Today's episode, I'm sitting down with Stephen Nagy. Stephen left his career as a personal financial advisor to pursue his dream of being an entrepreneur and real estate investor. 14 years later, he has never looked back. Stephen has spoken at hundreds of stages across the United States and worked with thousands of students over that time. Living in South Florida with his wife and son, Stephen not only talks the talk, but walks the walk every single day, growing his real estate businesses and practicing financial strategies like infinite banking, a legacy. Alongside Chris Noggle, Stephen is dedicated to helping money school students learn financial education, how to take back control of their money, and helping them achieve their dreams. Steven now shares his experience, education, and strategies through weekly webinar trainings, live events, and working with clients one-on-one. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Steven Nagy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Steven, thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to chat with you. And I'm always interested to talk to people in the real estate world because there are so many differing opinions on uh, how that should work, how real estate investing should look in someone's life. And uh, But before we dive into the real estate side, I want to go back just to the beginning of your career because you were really interested in becoming a financial advisor. Tell me a little bit about your kind of early motivations and what you envisioned for your life at, a, at an earlier age. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, out of college, I, I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I moved to uh, Southwest Florida and, and got a job at a car dealership, actually. So I just started selling cars, figure something easy to do. I always liked people and talking with people. So and I always liked cars when I was younger. So I figured that would be a cool little gig. And when I started working there, I actually met a guy who had just retired from being a financial advisor with Amer- American Express Financial Advisors at the time. And we hit it off real well and just chatting. And he's like, so what do you want to do with your life? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to sell cars your whole life. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. I definitely don't, but I hadn't really thought about it. He's like, you should think about financial advising. And it's a great career for me. I, I had a lot of success with it. And I think maybe you'd like it. And at the time, I didn't know the difference, quite honestly, between a stock and a bond. So I, he, he, however, got me an interview with his old company and they were just transitioning to Ameriprise Financial from American Express Financial Advisors. And uh, they said, listen, if you uh, want to get licensed, then we'll go ahead and sponsor you. And we think maybe you'd be good at it. So mm. I said, all right, let's do it. So I started studying for a Series 7 license and Series 66 and the life, health and variable annuity insurance. And again, knew nothing about any of it. And these books, I don't know if you've ever looked into whatever it takes to become a financial advisor, but they're- I have purposely avoided anything close to that, so. Yeah, so thick books, they, they uh, kind of say the equivalence of the exam to get licensed in securities is the same as like the bar exam for attorneys. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to do, but I was able to uh, pass that exam, all the exams on my first try and went to work as a financial advisor and learned pretty quickly into that. It wasn't all that I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and it wasn't all- 
that it's um, kind of that you kind of hear, like you kind of hear financial advisor, like these guys know what they're talking about with money and know how money works and money moves and all this stuff. And that's not what it was at all. What was it? It was more, let us teach you how to go out there and bring clients in. Let us teach you how to cold call. Let us teach you how to sell. Let us teach you how to push our company's products on the client, not as much what can truly help the client. And yeah. it was difficult for me because I love helping people. It's just something I've always, I think it's something I've always been a part of me. And so I thought being a financial advisor, I could do that, but it quickly turned into, I would meet with clients and the conversation, Hey, what do you want to accomplish? Like, how do you want to retire? What's retirement look for you? Hey, I want to be, you know, 62 years old and have a hundred thousand dollars a year income and be able to travel and my kids taken care of. And, you know, that's what people think of with retirement, right? Kind of live yeah. the way you want to do. And when it comes to financial advising, because you're fitting everybody into kind of mutual funds and stock market investments and things like that, it comes to be where, okay, what you're saving now, the income you have now, unless we drastically change that and you stop spending money and saving a lot more, we either going to have to push back your retirement, we're going to have to make you get into much more riskier investments to try and make your money grow for you to be able to retire at that age and lifestyle that you wanted to. So I didn't really like those conversations because I believe that you should be able to have anything you want in life. I believe that if you dream something, you should be able to achieve it and go out there and get it. And then I was telling people kind of the opposite as a financial advisor. And looking back on it today, the Social Security Administration tells us that if you take 100 people, 95 out of 100 Americans today are not able to retire the way and the lifestyle that they want to. They either have to push back retirement. They either have to go back to work. They either have to bring on a lot more risk and do all those things at the same time to be able to retire. And so we, I now know that not only what I was doing as a financial advisor doesn't work when I was telling people, it's proven by statistics and, and data and research and the Social Security Administration tells us that. So that's what I experienced as a financial advisor. And you know, at the, at the end of the day, depending on what company you work for, a lot of times you have to talk about those products. They have a bottom line they're trying to reach. Exactly. So that was uh, my, my experience in the financial advising field. I did that for a couple of years and I actually got invited to a real estate uh, seminar, one of those free seminars, like, mm -hmm. hey, come get a free iPad and listen to our presentation. And I went to that with my cousin, uh, the guy who I uh, was living with. We bought a house together in uh, Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, when I moved down there to become a and became a financial advisor in Fort Myers, Florida, and uh, I went to that real estate seminar, and, and a lot of stuff that the speaker from the front of the room it made sense to me. They were talking about controlling your future and and entrepreneurship and investing for yourself and mm -hmm. and just real estate. I mean, I could talk about real estate all day, all how much I love compared to the stock market. Like I can see a house, I can know how to manipulate it and add value to it and increase value and you know put somebody in it and flip it to make money or put somebody in it as a rental and make money or a million different way, exit strategies and whatnot. But I have complete control over it as opposed to, let me stick my money in a basket of company stocks that I have zero control over. And that's my quote unquote diversification, right? right. So that really uh, resonated a lot with me. And, and just the fact of being able to control how you build wealth and everything that goes along with it. And so, so that was kind of my introduction to real estate and entrepreneurship. Let me ask you about this because when we hear real estate investors talk about real estate, there's obviously a bias there, right? So like when you hear a Grant Cardone say, do this with your money, he has Cardone Capital, or when you hear an investor say, don't put your money in the stock market, don't put it in crypto, put it in real estate. The comments in those videos or the response from people is always, and, and even me, when I hear someone say that, I'm always like, well, yeah, but 
Of course, you're going to say that you're in real estate. So I'm curious for you as a financial advisor, then becoming interested in real estate and getting into that world, like what was it that you saw? Was it just that it was a tangible asset versus stocks or was it something else that that drew you to like physical real estate being the the investment of choice. There's a, so real estate. The beautiful thing about real estate is so many different ways. I mean, if you can literally get into real estate, get a good coach, a good mentor, take mm-hmm. some training, learn from somebody, but you can learn wholesaling, for instance, right? So wholesaling is simply putting a home under contract, but before you close on that home, do any work to it, anything like that, you're taking the contract and you're basically selling the contract, the paper to another investor that wants to do all that work. But that other investor, they're very good at having teams that go in and redo the house, redo the kitchens and put paint on the walls and landscaping and make the house look pretty and everything that it takes to do a a rehab deal. But a wholesale deal, you don't have to do any of that. You're just out there finding the deals. So it teaches you sales. It teaches you negotiation. It teaches you communication. It teaches you marketing. It teaches you these skills in business that you need in business to be successful in any business that you're in. It teaches you how to go out there and get started. And to do something like that, you don't need a lot of money. I mean, I could go out there. I could put some signs around town. I could just go to some local real estate investment association meetings and meet some people. And, and or I could go out there and just start knocking on doors, yeah. uh, send out some postcards, very inexpensive. So you can get started in wholesaling for very little of your own money and start building, building your capital that way. Or, you know, what I do a lot more now, I work a lot more on the money side of real estate now. So we do all things money, taking back control of your money and solving your money problem. And that's what we do with becoming your own banker and real estate's big part of that. So another side of real estate is being able to, let's say I have a million dollars sitting in the bank. Okay. What do I do with that million dollars right now for the options that I put in the stock market? I mean, this right now today is April 22nd, 2022. It's Earth Day today for anybody that's watching. And the the the, the stock market is, we've had a little bit of corrections this year so far, but we're at all-time highs. I mean, in 2009, the Dow was at 8,000. We're at like 34, 35,000 right now today. So it, it's just crazy high. And I could get into all the reasons why we're seeing this overinflated market right now. And mm-hmm. and I think, but I think it's going to pull back and I think we're going to enter some recessionary tough times ahead. And I think we're going to see a pretty hard downfall. So I don't want to stick my money in the stock market, but what else is going on right now with inflation, Eric? It's through the roof, right? So inflation today is eight and a half percent. Producer inflation is 11.2. A lot of people think real inflation years. is 20 plus percent. So yeah. if I have a million dollars sitting, I'm losing at least eight and a half percent a year right now, just to inflation on top of everything else. So you can't let the money sit still. There's no money in savings. There's no money in bonds, traditional treasuries, things like that. So what do you do with it? I could put my money into a real estate project where my money's safe. It's protected by a hard asset where if something goes wrong, I can take that house back just like uh, the banks do, the exact same thing the banks do. I can invest my money and I can grow it at eight, 10, 12, 15% returns protected by that hard asset and and have my money growing for me on, on the money side. So I don't have to actively be out there. You think of real estate investing. Oh my, I'm covered in dirt and my hands are all dirty. I'm swinging hammers and breaking down walls. And there's so much more to real estate. But that's what I love about it is you can, anybody can take advantage of it, whether you have nothing and you're just looking to build a better life for you and your family, or if you're a multimillionaire and just looking for smart, secure, less less risky investments to grow your wealth. There's a little bit of something for everybody in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I looked out at my notes when you're giving your answer because you said something that reminded me of a podcast that you did about a year ago. And you were talking about how money is useless unless it's in motion. And this is something you kind of just alluded to. Like if your money is being hoarded and set in a bank somewhere, it's just sitting there. It's going to be worth 
literally less in a couple of years than what it's worth now. But right now, like you said, stock market's at an all-time high. The you, You're watching viral videos of open house with people lined up around the block waiting to buy. Like It's the seller's market right now. So there's people, I think, who have that money sitting there and are going, I want to deploy this money into something, but everything seems like going to drop. Like It seems like we're waiting for this crash to then deploy that money. And for me, as someone who's not in real estate, that seems like the wise move. It's like, wait, let's wait till this drops. What would your advice be on that front as far as like diving into real estate, as far as diving into another investment strategy when everything seems hyperinflated? Yeah, definitely. You definitely have to be careful. And it really boils down to education and being prepared. So what I mean by that is when we do see a pullback, and I think we will see a pullback in the real estate markets, I think that depending on how bad things get hit financially in the overall economy and the stock market and what the Fed does with rates and everything and increases, Mm -hmm. we'll see how bad we get hit. I don't think we're going to see another crash like we did in 08. That's severe, although it could happen. But the bottom line is we probably at some point will see a pullback. So in the sense of waiting to deploy our money when that is going to happen that pullback is going to happen and how severe and, and how, how truly strong deals are going to be available at the time nobody knows that mm-hmm. so just waiting is in my opinion is not the best strategy because what if it takes another three four five years for that to happen we can't let our money sit for that long to do nothing so it's smart though to be ready for that so because when that does happen like they say when there's blood on the streets that's when you know millionaires are made And so we want to be able to take advantage of those situations where these markets do pull back. We do want to buy low, which is the key to investing, right? But we can't wait for it. So what we want to do is we want to keep our money in motion. So while we're waiting for that to happen, let's A, get educated. So what's our plan when the market does? Like, are you good at short sales? Are you good at helping people that are in foreclosure? Do you understand how to go out there and get the deals once they are available? Because there's a lot of really experienced real estate investors like myself that have been active investors in the past. I'm not active right now, Eric, right now. I haven't bought any real estate in several years actively, but I'm just- Have you sold anything with everything being so- I just, I, I, I concentrate a lot more these recent years on the money side of things and building some other businesses because I just feel like prices are so high and it's just not the world I live in. But I know a lot of very experienced investors that are doing this every single day that I'm lending my money to on deals because they're the professionals in this type of market. Hmm. Even somebody like myself that's done a lot of real estate over the years, these guys know a lot more about that than I do. So I, so what I do is I want to keep my money in motion. So I'm, lending my money to these guys that are the professionals that are doing this every single day. And I'm checking with them before I lend every time. Hey, if the market pulls back, what's the strategy? And they have multiple exit strategies where my money's protected in this investment, no matter what happens. The real estate could drop 50%. My money's still going to make money because these guys know what they're doing. They have the strategies. Okay. So, but I want my money in motion. And these are shorter term investments. So Mm. typically three to six months, maybe 12 to 24 months, depending on the deal, shorter term. Because I think if we do see a real estate market pull back, it'll take a little bit longer than that. So I've got my money moving now. I got my money growing now. I'm going to get my money back when I need it for when these opportunities do start arising, where I can jump in and start buying things again very low. Because mm-hmm. that's what I was doing after 08, right? Going into 2010, sure. 2012, I was able to pick things up very low. And actually, we were able to sell some uh, here over the last year half at very crazy high prices. Some of these houses have quadrupled in value. So I'm yeah. going to play in the roller coaster. So when this happens again, sell a little bit, I'll be ready to buy again. But again, you don't want that money sitting still. So I'm just kind of diverting my 
risk and diverting my attention to people that are doing it on a daily basis, sophisticated investors. So we're doing a lot in short-term uh, rental residential real estate space, homes that are already sold that are used as rentals, short-term flips in more affordable housing locations. So no like million dollar plus type stuff, more like 100,000 to three, $400,000 range, depending on the area, Airbnb type stuff that's in good areas. And no matter what happens, places like Florida, Texas, some of the states that, that I think if things do turn around, they're going to take the longest just because of the demand here, because of everything that's happened um, in the overall economy and, and, and everything that's gone on in the last couple of years with COVID. So it's uh, so little things like that, I think are very important, who you're lending to, the type of deal and just what your overall strategy is. And not everybody's strategy is the same. I mean, everybody's going to be a little bit different. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. You probably have more real estate experience than most of the listeners to the show and certainly more than myself. I love the idea in any area to give your assets to people and your money to people who know how to manage it better than you do. But one of the things that always comes to mind is it's easy to say that, but there's also Facebook ads all day long of people saying, I'm a real estate expert. Let me help you turn your money into millions, that, that sort of stuff. So for someone who doesn't have real estate experience or has limited real estate experience, what are some of the things that you would look at to vet if someone is actually a knowledgeable, sophisticated investor or just a really good market? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, first off, I don't know if I'd invest with anybody that's advertising directly that way on Facebook. <laughs> now, once you enter a community, like we do use Facebook advertising to bring people into our network, our community. We teach all things money and investing. Nobody's investing directly with us, right? So nobody's cutting me checks for deals mm -hmm. things like that. So I don't know if I would meet somebody that way. I would you know, first start with talk to people in your local community. Can you make a connection there? 
if you um, don't know anybody or maybe just the people that you surround yourself right now aren't really of that mindset, right? Maybe you're just kind of new to this journey and mm-hmm. you just don't know anybody to talk to. What I would do in that sense is, I mean, we have a, a wonderful community called the Private Money Club. That's basically all that does is connect borrowers with lenders and borrowers and provides the instruction and the guidance on how to do that safely and do it the right way every time. So we do that through the Private Money Club. But essentially what you're going to want to do is when you meet somebody, first you're going to want to underwrite that lender or that borrower excuse me. So who are they? What what have they done in the past? What are their references? Can you talk to some referrals? We even go as far as when we're dealing with a new borrower, we're going to run a background check on them. We're going to run a credit report on them. We're, we're going to, they're going to pay for it. If they want my money, they're going to pay for all this, but they're going to provide all that to me. So we actually created something called the perfect loan proposal that has all of that built into it, that before I ever uh, lend to somebody for the first time, they're going to provide me all these documents, just like if they were going to the bank. You go to the bank right now to get a mortgage, they're going to do all of that. So Mm -hmm. as me being the bank, I'm going to request all the exact same stuff. So step one is underwrite the borrower, the investor, if you're not familiar with them. Number two is underwrite the deal, learn how to underwrite the deal. So just like the bank does, you know, where is this property located? What's this worth? What's it being purchased for? What's the loan to value ratio? How much work is going to need to be done? And then kind of relate that to who that investor is. So when you're underwriting the investor, are they new? Are they experienced? Do they have contractors in place already? Do they have a team ready to send in? Because that's all going to shorten the, the holding costs, right? The, the amount of time. Um, do they have buyers in place that are ready to buy these houses? Or are they going to have to market it on the open market? In the area that it's in, our house is selling in two days or are they selling in two months? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not selling in two days in this market, it might not be a more good market. Maybe we're going to hold on to this thing. So you're going to underwrite everything into the deal, make sure it's a good deal to lend on. And then from there, it's just the third and final step, which is making sure you have all your paperwork in order. So there, the important parts in having your paperwork are going to be having a proper promissory note, a PN, which is the contract laying out the terms. So if I lend you $100,000, Eric, What's protecting my money? What's the collateral? How much interest are you paying me? Are you paying me interest monthly at the end? Are there any points involved? What are, how long am I lending you the money for? So what are the terms of that deal? That should all be on that promissory note. And then that's going to be tied to and connected to a mortgage or a deed of trust, depending on what state that you're in. So a mortgage or deed of trust. And uh, that along with making sure you're, you're listed at additional insured, make sure you're only lending to corporations, you're sending money to an escrow company or an attorney. So those little things that are protecting you and your money uh, are very important. So those are the three steps, underwrite the person, underwrite the deal, and have all your paperwork and contracts properly done. And, and from there, it's a lot of fun. And if this stuff's brand new to you guys, like if you've never heard of private money lending or being the bank, anything like that, it's really not hard to do at all. It's just something new. It's just a change of mindset. And one thing that I learned a long time ago, money, money's a mystery to a lot of people. And to me, I've always just kind of looked at money as a game. I love sports growing up. Like I always played baseball, football, basketball, everything. I always loved sports. So I, I love the competition of it. So early in life, I realized that if I treat money kind of like a sport, it just becomes a game. And when you learn how to play a game, when you get coaches to teach you a game, it, it not only becomes a lot of fun, which makes you want to do more and more of it, but when you get good at it, what does a good competitor do? They win, right? So I'm able to win at this game all the time, but I just look at it that way. And this mystery, money's not a mystery. Just because we're not taught this stuff in high school, we're not taught this stuff typically in college, grade school, anything like that, doesn't mean that it's not 100% what you should be doing. 
again, nine out of 100 Americans, 95% are not going to be able to retire the way that they want to. The system we're taught our whole lives just doesn't work. So that's why this stuff is so important. You take back control of your money and start solving that money problem. The younger you are, the more time you have to make all this stuff happen. It blows my mind, like the, the older I get, and I'm not very old, but the more I talk to people, the more conversations I have with people, the more that I go, man, school really betrayed us in a lot of ways. Uh, why do you the system hasn't taught people? Like if, if it's clear the system's not working the way it is, why has it not been taught in the formal education setting? Why has it not been taught in high schools that this is how you take control of your finances in a real way? Yeah, it's a great question, right? And and I mean, we could probably get a little conspiratorial here. I'm sure some here listening. Sure, let, let me get my tinfoil. Hold on. Yeah, maybe they have their own thoughts on this matter. I mean, is it because we need workers? Is it because I, I just think that it's the way that it's always been done and it's hard to really enact real change when it comes to something like that. And I don't think being an entrepreneur, being a real estate investor, I don't even think that being your own banker and simple things like private money lending are for everybody. Because I don't think that everybody wants something more in life. I don't think that everybody truly wants to go out there and listen to a podcast like this or watch a webinar, a simple 90 minute webinar on how to do this. I think they'd rather just go home at the end of the day, kick their feet up on a couch, watch reality TV and kind of may have an easy life. And I hate to tell you, but in the long run, that easy life is going to be a lot harder, but yeah. People want that instant gratification, that, that instant pleasure. And it's a lot easier to kick my feet up and get that instant gratification as it is to maybe grind it out for a few years to set myself up for the rest of my life as it is just to have an easy existence for 20 years and then struggle for the rest of my life. And people, it's hard for people to get past that in their mindset. There's a really good video, Eric, on, on YouTube. It's called The Backwards Bicycle. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. Got to check this out. All your listeners. So if you guys go on Google or on YouTube, type in The Backwards Bicycle watch this video. It's like 10 minutes long or something. But what happens is this kid does an experiment. So he took a bicycle and he took the handlebars and he reversed them. So you're, you learn how to ride a bicycle. You turn one way, the bike goes one way, you turn the other, the bike goes the other way. He reversed that. Hmm. And because our minds are programmed to think one time, he would bring that bicycle on stage and he would challenge people to try and get up there and ride the thing. Nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. It took him many months of practicing before he finally rewired his brain. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think he happened when he got his five-year-old son and that was just learning how to ride a bike the regular way and stuck him on that bicycle? What do you think his son experienced? Pain. <laughs> oh, his son was actually able to ride it very easily because oh. his son didn't have that initial programming built into his mind his entire life. His son was brand new at learning how to mm. ride a bike. So learning how to ride it backwards was just like riding it forwards for the first time. Then he got some pain when he tried his friend's bike. Right, yeah, exactly, right? We rode a regular bike, exactly. But for you or me, trying to reprogram, and, and, and it's like that with everything in life. So with money, we're told our whole lives, go work for a corporation, go invest in a 401k, puts your savings away, all this stuff we're told. So now when you hear things like, hey, private money lending, real estate investing, become your own bank, or the infinite banking concept, what we do with privatized banking policies, all this stuff. It's people are like, oh no, that's crap. Like I've never done that. Or, oh, there's no way I can learn that. Like I've never, I'm not a millionaire. I can't do real estate investing and all the stuff you hear from people all the time. Right. But it's just in your mind. It really truly is. It's all in here. And if you can understand that, if you can just change the way your mind thinks, just change the way you think a little bit, it just opens up so many new doors and so many new avenues for you. And it's just amazing what it leads to. No, you, you talk about the instant gratification that people desire and how that ends up hurting them in the long run. But there is probably people listening going, 
okay, is real estate my get rich quick? Is it my get rich slow? Do you have a specific way you look at it? Do you think it's, do you think it's somewhere in the middle of those? I think it's whatever you want to get out of it, right? Because you can really go out there and hustle and work 80 hours a week and do multiple flips in a month and make a hundred grand a month. I mean, all day, people are doing it all day long. So you can make a bunch of money very quickly. I, I know guys that started wholesale businesses with literally nothing and we're making three, 400 grand a year within a year or two. So you can make good money very quickly. I mean, obviously you're going to want, you're going to want to have that passion that motivation, that drive and the ability, quite honestly, to be able to go out there and do that. Not everybody can. A lot of people get stuck in a route where, hey, they thought they were doing the right thing, getting a job, having a family, but now they're stuck because they don't have the time to go out there and do something on the side or whatever the case is, shit happens in life, right? So whatever the reason might be, but so you can make money very quickly, but you can also build it over time. Like I was saying with private money lending, I mean, eight to 12% is very common in that space. So growing your money at a simple 8%, if you're starting with $20,000, is going to take a long time before you see any kind of significant returns, but slow and steady, wins the race a lot of the times as mm -hmm. well. So it, 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 there is something there for everybody. It just depends on where you're starting now, how quickly you need to get to where you need to be. But that's why having a plan, having a mentor, having a coach, having the proper training in place to show you that, hey, yeah. here's your situation. Here's where you want to be. How are we going to get there? And I guarantee you this, if nothing else, I guarantee you that if you have a plan in place that you're following along the path, you're going to get there a lot quicker than if you have no plan and you're just throwing darts at a random wall, hoping something's going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I want to, I want to ask about uh, relationships and mentors and, and things like that in, in just a minute. But one thing I am curious about, you mentioned all the ways that people stop themselves. I'm not a millionaire yet. I'm not. Once I have this amount of money, I'll start investing or once I have this amount of money, I'll get started doing this, whether we're talking real estate or any other type of investing. When you say it's that's all limiting mindsets, it's in our head. What does someone need in place in order to be able, and you don't have to go too detailed on the technical side, obviously, but at what level is someone ready to invest? Or is this something that anybody could at some point, at some level get started in right now? Yeah. So depending on where you're starting right now, especially if you have a bunch of debts, especially credit card debt, like higher interest debt, that 15, 20 plus percent stuff, that's number one. We need to concentrate on eliminating that. So the way that we do that is we actually design uh, what are called specially designed and engineered whole life policies. Okay. It's something known as the infinite banking concept, otherwise known as privatized banking or BYOB, come your own banker. And what we do with this is we're able to, by using this strategy, we're in this vehicle, we're able to save money while simultaneously paying down those debts and expenses that we have. And by simultaneously saving while paying down those debts and expenses at the same time, it's allowing us to build wealth while getting rid of all that bad at the same time. And it's setting us up for when that bad debt is gone, that we're going to have a, a chunk of change over here to be able to start investing with. Because in, in the investment world, making a 12% return consistently and safely is a strong return, okay? So if you're paying, however, 18% in some kind of debt that you have, even making a very strong 12%, you're still losing 6%, okay? So we need to get rid of that stuff first. But I don't want you to go take all your money that you're saving and, and everything like that and just pay that debt off because now that money's gone from your life forever. So what we need to do is we need to set you up with one of our specially designed and engineered vehicles with the infinite banking concept to run our money through first. And then from there, we're going to set you up with a debt map to tackle that debt. And we have example after example of how we've helped thousands of clients over the years pay off their debt and 
half the time or quicker than they would have otherwise been able to while building that wealth, setting it up for investing as soon as that debt is gone. Mm -hmm. And so if we can focus on that, and this isn't hard. And no matter where you're starting, as long as you can start saving and putting away 10 times your age on a monthly basis, we're able to do this for it. So if you're 30 years old, if you could put away 300 bucks a month, we can set you up with one of these and get you started on a much better financial path moving forward. Hmm. Love it. Love it. Well, I got to ask you the question we ask everybody who uh, comes on the show, because I think it's a perfect segue into some of my next questions. But do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? You've hit on education, you've hit on mentorship, but where do you think the, the goal? So, what obviously is important, you got to be educated in, in what you, you're doing, whether it's investing, whether it's business, whether it's your job, you definitely need to know what you know. But for in relation to like really, truly successful, like success and blowing things up, it's definitely who it's why we spend a lot of money every year on high level masterminds to go out and meet new people. It's why no matter what I've done through my lifetime and trust me, when I pivoted from being a financial advisor into real estate and into some other ventures I've been in over the years, not all of them have been successful. There's been a couple of times in my career where I had to basically say, I have responsibilities and obligations. I got to stop chasing this dream because this one didn't work out. I got to go get a more traditional job and pay the bills, but at the same time, start working towards the next thing. And every single time that has happened to me in my life, where I've had the setback, where I've had to do something that I didn't want to do to be able to move forward to what I do want to do, somebody from my past experiences has come into my life at that point and allowed me to get back on the path that I wanted to be on. And that was all from connections and network from previous stuff that I had done. So even, so I do a lot of work with Chris Noggle now, him and I do, you know, almost everything together when it comes to the money multiplier and the private money club and our money school. And so I met Chris Noggle through another gentleman who was Chris's mentor, who I had been working with in a couple of different companies prior to that. And, and now Chris and I are like inseparable with everything that we do. And so these kinds of relationships, whether it's somebody you're introduced to, whether it's an opportunity that arises, or if I need something right now, I mean, I could go through my phone and it might be somebody I haven't talked to in a year or two. I met two years ago at a mastermind, but I could get a hold of them right now and they'd be right there to help me with whatever I need to do. And so to me, who becomes very important, especially when it comes to business business, entrepreneurship, and, and true success. Yeah. Yeah. You and Chris have put together quite a bit of information to help people get started in just tackling their own finances, becoming their own bank. If someone were to look for you online or try to find a way to get started, what's the best place to kind of hit go and say like, this is where I start my journey with you? Yeah, definitely. So we uh, put a lot on our YouTube channel. So it's YouTube at the Chris Noggle. We stream five different shows a week on there for free. We do multiple uh, trainings. We put in content one to two times daily on that channel. You can go to chrisnoggle.com. And then another really good resource would be themoneymultiplier.com. And that's all about the infinite banking concept and what we do with the privatized banking. Those are all really solid resources. Love it. Love it. And then last question I want to ask you specifically is outside of obviously all of the different Facebook groups and things that you're running and the YouTube channels, like when it comes to getting in rooms with people who are sophisticated investors, they know what they're doing. They, people that help you level up. Is this something that you're going to free networking events? Are you investing in that through mentorships, masterminds? What's your number one way to kind of build those relationships? Both. What I've learned is the free events tend to lead towards other opportunities. Um, speaking on stages, being in a room, sponsoring events, things like that. You can meet some good people at, at free networking events too. 
Uh, so things like real estate association meetings, just local meetups. You can go on a meetup group and, and look for your local area. I mean, those are, and most of those are free or very inexpensive. You pay for dinner, $29 or something like that. But we also do a lot of high level masterminds. So we probably spend, I know we spend well over six figures a year just attending masterminds and another six figures a year on mentors. And then we sponsor, we have masterminds ourselves that we put on, but we are always attending other people's as well. And uh, we're always looking for stages to speak on. But let me tell you, I mean, I was just at an event this weekend that we sponsored and I was part of. And the Hodge twins were there. Uh, Tim Tebow was there hanging out, doing pictures and signing stuff. And did a and by the way, I don't know if there's any sports fans out there, but I'm a huge um, Seminoles fan and Steelers fan. So I'm not the biggest team, Tim Tebow fan. If you guys know football, then you know what I'm talking about there. So it was always kind of a hater on Tim Tebow. But that guy, if I've ever had somebody impress me that I was not expecting it was Tim Tebow. That guy is unbelievable. Everything that he's doing with his Tim Tebow foundation. And he did about an hour um, speech, like very motivational and passionate and unbelievable guy. But nonetheless, like people like that, that you can be part of. And so those connections at events like that, like you mentioned Grant Cardone earlier, Grant. Um, so Cardone Ventures was there, uh, the people that run their big funds and everything like that, and hanging out and all these very successful people. So that's where you really take things to the next level. And the nice thing about the, the higher end level masterminds and the higher priced events and things like that is you're going to surround yourself with similar people. Mm -hmm. So they say that your network is equals your net worth, your net worth equals your network, and that you kind of are a sum total of the five or seven people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. So think about that for a minute. Who are you hanging out with on the weekends? Who do you have in your phone that you could call if you need mm -hmm. things? And if you don't have those kinds of people in there, then think about starting to attend. And if you don't have a lot of money, start with the free events. There's nothing wrong with that. I did it myself back in the day, 100%. And then from there, you just build. Love it. Love it. Well, I know we have just a few minutes left. I'm going to jump into our random round, let people get to know you just a little bit more before we close out the episode. First and foremost, what profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? I'd like to be an attorney. I mean, you I like go to the courthouse and kind of argue with the judge and try and I, I think I would want to be, uh, I don't know what kind of attorney though. I think I'd maybe defend people and it'd be fun. If you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be? That's a great question. I think right now, just because of what I'm doing um, so heavily with the infinite banking concept and how I've seen it's such a powerful financial strategy, not only to get people out of debt, for, but for building wealth and um, creating true financial legacy and true multimillionaire status for your, your family in the future. Mm -hmm. I would like to sit down with R. Nelson Nash who was considered the godfather and the inventor of the infinite banking concept and wrote one of the most powerful books I've ever read, uh, which is called the Becoming Your Own Bank. So R. Nelson Nash, he unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago and I didn't get into the infinite banking concept uh, until right after he passed away or right around that same time. So I, I unfortunately never got a chance to meet him, but I would love to chat with that guy and learn more from him. You mentioned a book. How do you like to learn best? Is it books, blogs, podcasts? You're having on YouTube, is it videos? What's your favorite way to consume information? I listen to a lot of podcasts and audio books when I'm doing other things. So if I'm, you know, helping out, do some cooking and dishes or something like that, or walking my dog or just doing stuff around the house, out in the yard, something like that. I almost always have it in my, my headphones and I'm listening to something that way. I, I like YouTube also. I feel like I can get distracted on there though. So I tend to stick with podcasts and audio books these days. Gotcha. Uh, give me a glimpse of your morning routine. 
So I was on a very good morning routine for a while there. I'm trying to get into the 5 a.m., up at 5 a.m. and get things going. I'm not a morning person, though. So that is something that I personally struggle with and I'm personally always working on. But my morning always starts, however, with a cup of coffee. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'm not a morning person at all. And like I've been consistently hitting the 5 a.m., which is uh, that's like enough routine for me. <laughs> like I'm like, if I can do that, we'll You're like, I'm work up. on that for a while. Yeah, I'm up. We'll go from there. I actually started a 5 a.m. club last year. We did it for three months. I had like 30, 40 people in there with me. Cool. So every morning we get up, post on Facebook. Hey, we're up. Like, let's get the day going. And it was a lot of fun. But then like the holidays or something came and I fell off and just never got it going again. But it, it is a great way to start the day early like that. Yeah. Um, just kind of get some things knocked out really early. I'm a big fan of that. I know a lot of people will do a meditation immediately, work out immediately, things like that. It's something that I'm, I'm actively planning on working on this year. Cool. We're not all perfect, right? So we all right, right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's literally I have a four-year-old, so I gotta beat her to the punch. So I gotta be up a couple hours early if I want to get anything done in the morning hours. I, I have a six-year-old son, so oh, I don't so you know about that. Um, what's your go-to pump-up song? That's a good one, huh? I guess it I don't know, man. That's that's a good question. I, I think it depends on the, the mood I'm in, or it depends on what I'm liking to do. I mean, I like a lot of the old classic rock things like Pearl Jam. If I'm having some drinks like the oldies, some Elton John and some John Lennon and Beatles and some things like that, or maybe get into like the Pink Floyd and and all that, you know, some of the harder rock. But I don't know. I, I listen to just about anything. I, I do sure. love live music. We listen to a lot. I live in South Florida. We spend a lot of time at the beach and out on the boat at the sandbars and things like that. So we do listen to a lot of kind of Cali reggae, so Dirty Heads and, and music like that. So I'd say anything in that genre is something I'd be my go-to. Gotcha. When you're speaking at an event, if they asked you to pick a walk up to the stage song, which one would you which one would you pull out of the the catalog? I usually have them surprise me with it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> they do ask me that sometimes. And I say, just surprise me. And then they play it and it's always something fun. So I think the last one was the last one somebody played for me. I spoke at an event in South Carolina, re-up, cool sound, but no, it's so who didn't start the fire? We didn't start the fire. World's <laughs> been barring assist without that was pretty funny. I don't know why my buddy picked that, but that's awesome. Uh, what are you not waking up in the mornings? There, there you go. No, something that I, no, seriously, though, something that I do, I do actively have to work on is time management. Get like tasks. I'm very, I have to be task oriented because if I don't set a specific list and to-do list each day, things get bumped and I don't get them done. I'll get distracted. I'll start working on something else. So something that's really helped me and I've really, I have to always work on it because I end up falling away from it is time blocking. So I need to set up specifically, like I have to live off my calendar or things don't get done. I live off of, of scheduled calls. So I, I spend a lot of time talking with our clients and strategizing and consulting. But if I don't have it scheduled, I don't just like randomly call people very often. So I'm very, I've found out that for me being very oriented or regimented and having a set plan each day really helps. And having that set up the night before really helps too. So I can kind of wake up. I know what I got going on and I can just go for it. And reminder lists really helped me a lot too, because yeah. I, I like to have a lot of vision, but I know I need to get things done. So I, I, to me, I know that having that list there, I won't forget anything. So it allows my, my, my brain, the freedom to be able to have those thoughts, but still get things done. So those things are very important to me and it really helps. Yeah. Awesome. And then last question here, what is the number one place online for people to connect with you if they want to follow your personal? Yeah. So it's just Stephen Nagy. I'm on Facebook primarily. I mean, I have Instagram and just on our YouTube channel, The Chris Noggle. Awesome. We post almost everything on there. So, but I do have some fun on Facebook as well. So sweet. Places. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me on the Bilger Network podcast. I really appreciate it. Eric, thanks for having me, man. It's great to meet you.
Awesome. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.